You are live with Get Connected. Mike Agarbo here with John Beeler. We've got a great program today. We're going to do kind of a year in review. Some of the big tech stories and gadgets that we thought made news in this past year. And after that, it's kind of a fun segment, the tech that died. It's our own in memoriam section. Yeah. And you'd be surprised at some of uh, the technology and gadgets that you might not even have thought are still existing in the world. It's like the Oscars when like, oh, wow, I thought they died a long time ago. Exactly. Uh, so you got to stay tuned for that. It's uh, super, super interesting. And John took a little trip down to Disneyland and to that new Star Wars Galaxy, Galaxy's Edge area of Disney, and he built his own robot. So we'll talk about uh, his robotic journey. Yes. And if it was worth, <laughs> worth all the money. Let's get into some of the uh, tech news this week. Elon, he's had quite a ride this year. <laughs> These last few months. His uh, personal fortune slid by $140 billion in 2022. Uh, I wish I had that problem. Yeah. It sounds like that was mostly the fortune that he gained during 2021. Yeah, it's it's a lot. I think, obviously, where most of his money is tied up in is Tesla. And uh, he, I think, had a record of over $300 billion worth back. Oh, not too long ago. 2021. <laughs> yes. But uh, with the changing market and craziness at Twitter... Yes. It's kind of changed. Well, and that valuation is based on the stock that he has and the, that he owns, which he's shooting himself in the, his own foot over with what he's doing on Twitter. Yeah, Tesla's uh, stock is dropping. I think a lot of analysts thought it was highly overvalued to begin with. Mm -hmm. And so it is had it's dropped pretty dramatically. Not unlike Elon. Yeah, 72% drop since the beginning of the year. Yeah. Well, because everyone was like, you can't run SpaceX and Tesla and Twitter. And he seems to have lots of spare time to just tweet nonsense all the time. Yeah. Apparently he doesn't sleep that much. No. Apparently all geniuses are have that same problem. <laughs> I'm not a genius, I guess. <laughs> I sleep far too much. Uh, Google is working behind the scenes to protect search from chat GPT. What do you think? Again, ChatGPT is that artificial intelligent engine. It's kind of like a chat engine that can do coding, can write you blogs, social media plans, poems. It can be your your chat friend. Well, the the thing a lot of people are saying is that ChatGPT could replace something like Google because you can have a normal world conversation with the uh, the bot. Um, much more so than you can with Google. Google, you sort of have to use some, you know, choice keywords to sort of get what you want. You can actually just ask a question like you're talking to me and it will be able to respond to you. And if you don't get quite what you want, you can be more specific in a follow-up. So what Google is doing is they're having, they have their big conference in May and they're apparently ramping up work to sort of get ahead of ChatGPT to bolster what Google can offer. They're concerned about it. I would think so. Because I, mean, I think I think they perceive that as one of their biggest threats right now. I absolutely would agree. Well, AI in general is one of the biggest threats. 
But this particular one out of the box, out of nowhere, just dominated. And it's not even connected to the internet. No. No. Can you imagine if it was connected to the internet? Yeah. I mean, there's catch up to do, obviously, right? Because no. Google has perfected search yeah. over its time in the world. But if you put, you know, put the AI in there, it's a much more compelling tool because you can just talk to it like a normal human, even though it's not human. <laughs> but what's interesting though, at some point, chat GPT is going to have to start making some money. Oh, it will. Like, so that's going to change. Would how, you, would you pay for it? I don't know. You're paying for the, the text to image engine. Yeah. 10 bucks a month. Yeah. Would you pay 10 bucks a month for chat GPT? It would depend. I think it would depend on, on what, what you're going to be using it for. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, right now it's pretty compelling and there's no ads and everything like that. So it's cool, but things always change when the marketing people show up <laughs> as I speak to a marketing person. Yes. For good, right? The changes for good. Mm. Not, not so much. Not so much. We've got a lot to talk about here on the program. Coming up next, it's the year in review. Some of the top tech that uh, we felt made the news over the past year. And after that, the tech that died. That's my favorite segment. <laughs> so stay tuned for that. You're listening to Get Connected with Mike and John. We'll be back right after this. You are back with Get Connected. Mike and John here. We're going to chat about some of the big tech gadgets, trends, and news stories that inspired us back in 2022. John, where do you want to start? Uh, what was uh, one or some of the gadgets uh, that you thought were uh, kind of big in this past year? Well, I think the one of the bigger gadgets, uh, no pun intended, that I still use on an almost daily basis is the Steam Deck. This is from Valve. It's a portable gaming console, not unlike a Nintendo Switch, just a bit bigger. Um, but it's a full gaming computer with a very capable graphics processor inside and it can run your AAA titles and you know so it's almost as good as like a playstation or an xbox and it can also and this is the reason i got it is a phenomenal emulation station it can run literally every old game console every arcade game you name it it can run it and the price on it's not that bad really i think it's coming starting at around 500 bucks for like a, a high powered gaming pc yeah, it's just, it depends on how much storage space you want to have with yours. And I got the mid-tier one, which was 256 gigs of storage. And it's an SSD. And you can also add an SD card, which I have a 500 gig SD card full of games on it. And, you know, that's about $700 with tax and shipping and everything. And, you know, that's about a half the price of a sort of entry-level gaming PC. Well, the thing is, uh, you know, Fantastic for going uh, out and about, you know, if you're, uh, you know, commuting. Uh, but uh, you can hook this thing up to a big screen TV quite easily. Yeah, you can just plug in almost any USB uh, HDMI dongle and uh, you can pair your Xbox controllers with it and play it on your big screen. For me, I think uh, one of the kind of interesting, cool, techie gadgets uh, that I thought was up there would be the um, the iPhone 14, uh, both uh, the 14 and uh, the Pro, and kind of more so for the the safety features. Uh, they've got built-in crash detection now, uh, which they had to work out a few of the kinks uh, there. Uh, I think roller coaster set it off, but uh, you know a nice feature for 
people who are concerned about safety that, uh, you know, the phone could alert uh, emergency responders uh, if it detected that you were in uh, some type of crash. Uh, but the big one would be the, the satellite messaging emergency service uh, as well. So built into the phone, if you are out of cell phone range, uh, you can actually communicate with a satellite to uh, get help from uh, emergency responders. Yeah, and we've seen that this has already saved people's lives, which is amazing. It it really is, and you know you don't have to add any in, big antennas or anything like a satellite phone uh, on on there. I mean, this is just kind of the the beginning of this type of technology, I think, for uh, for smartphones. So it'll be interesting to see down the road, you know, where that will go. Will SpaceX, uh, you know, Elon Musk's company, and Starlink, you know, they provide the satellite internet service. Will they start providing that for cell phones or or smartphones? I, I'm interested to see over the next couple of years where that where that goes. Yeah, and just to sort of uh, tie up that iPhone 14 thing is it's a free service. It's not something you have to pay for, which is very unlike the satellite services of days past. Yeah, they say that you get two years free service. I don't know, like, can they make people pay for that down the road? I don't know. Maybe that becomes part of your, your Apple subscription. Perhaps, yeah. Uh, what other stories uh, did you think uh, were, were big? For, for me, John, uh, and we should chat about this, is AI, artificial intelligence. Yeah, there's no question that uh, the AI systems that we've been talking about almost nonstop on this show uh, have really dominated this past six months, maybe even longer. Um, anything from being able to create stunning artwork from a text prompt to being able to have a conversation with a chatbot that will generate code or a business plan or, you know, all kinds of different things. Uh, it, it really has um, hit the hyperspace button, I think, and just really ramped up its capabilities, uh, what it can do. You know, you and I have had a lot of fun creating custom avatars from some photos that we took ourselves. Um, and, and, you know, you could never afford to have an artist do 200 different interpretations of you uh, from a couple of selfies that you took uh, in all these different styles that AI can do in, in literally seconds now. And, and the app we're talking about there is Lenza, which, I, again, John, just amazing. Uh, I, I just can't even understand how how quickly it can punch those those photos those selfies out uh, that are completely computer generated i i'm fascinated to see where things like chat gpt go uh that's kind of the the text conversation uh ai engine uh you know we've tried it it can write poems it can write uh, social media blogs or posts it can even come up with a social media plan it can do coding it it's just kind of blowing my mind and you know it, there's just so many ramifications you know from you know job perspectives like how that will affect certain industries and even education as well well it, it can even rewrite your resume for you which is just amazing um going back to lenza though i don't know if you saw this they just added the feature you can actually upload photos of your pet now and it'll do custom avatars of your pet are you kidding me no Oh my God. <laughs> Guess what I'm going to be doing all day. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Not sorry. Oh, um, crazy. Another thing that, that we saw this past summer when we were in Las Vegas for the Amazon re Mars event that I never thought I'd see in person was Richard Browning and his gravity company that has the jetpacks. And he was literally flying around a parking lot 
during the event wrap party. And that technology is just amazing. We've seen what he's done with this technology that he's developed for just flying from you know, a, a Zodiac boat to a main ship, you know, for the military, but he's also been training the um, Scottish uh, uh, paramedics on how to do rapid response uh, rescues up a really steep incline that would have been very difficult to land a helicopter on, but they can just fly up the side of the mountain. That's going to be interesting. Uh, you know, I was there with you uh, down in Vegas to, to see that, you know, I'd seen the videos uh, of, them testing this with the uh, the British Royal Marines, you know, launching off a, a Zodiac and, and flying over to a, a British destroyer. And it just looked like something out of science fiction. And I just don't, you know, these things are expensive. Uh, you can actually take training courses over a weekend, which uh, it's not that expensive. But what do you do with that after, uh, you know, it's not like you're going to go out and buy one of these these sets. They're over 100 grand, I believe, right? I think it's actually 400,000. I looked it up yesterday. Okay. Yeah, that's out of my budget range. Yeah, uh, you're not going to replace your uh, your daily commuter vehicle with this thing. And there's I guess the safety issue as well. Like if something goes wrong, you're you're toast. Uh, that's it why goes really wrong. It yeah. goes <laughs> you fall to the ground like a rock. I uh, I think that's why, you know, in many of the the videos I've seen, they're they're doing it over water. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's still really cool tech, and the fact that he's basically made Iron Man jetpack suits uh, is f- fantastic. Uh, another kind of uh, tech story for me would be, and this is kind of evolving and it's evolved over the year here, is Apple and Apple making their own silicon, making their own processors for their their computers and and also some of their iPads, uh, you know, the M1 and the M2. The M2 launched uh, this year, and it's just kind of surprising how how really good they are. I, I know you've got uh, one of the laptops. Yeah, no, it's it's the best laptop I've ever owned. Uh, it hasn't let me down at all. Um, I get all day battery life, and it's just crazy how fast everything just works. And they've even built this into some of the iPads now. Yeah, yeah. And so some of these iPads now are way more powerful than, you know, even some of the mid-tier computers out there. Well, they say that the iPads, uh, just even kind of some of the basic ones, you know, have just as much power, if not more than 70% of the Windows laptops out there. Yeah, yeah, it's it's crazy, you know. Um, but the, the the big thing for, for me has always been with the Apple ecosystem is that with Apple owning the hardware, they can make better, faster software that just works better. Um, and now even more so when they're having their own chipsets that they have a lot more control over than they did previously. How do you feel about VR? Uh, you know, I just picked up my first kind of real VR headset this year, the the Facebook Meta uh, Quest 2 uh, headset, which I found quite amazing. Uh, do you think we're kind of at the uh, the start of this really starting to take off? It, it's hard to say. I mean, everyone's betting the farm or the company on the metaverse. And I'm not convinced that VR is going to be the way that we're going to get into that. Uh, it's still way too cumbersome and clunky for the average person to use. Um, when you can pick up something like a game controller and just get in there or using your phone, 
um, that's where we're going to see these big strides. I think uh, VR might be overshadowed by AR technology, augmented reality, um, in the sense that that'll be more of a gateway drug to VR or the metaverse because you're basically augmenting what you see in your day-to-day life using special glasses or some other kind of overlay technology that uh, will give you some information that you don't currently get uh, in front of you unless you look at your watch or your phone. I agree. Uh, it, it's interesting. I, I think the uh, the Quest 2, uh, the one from Facebook, is probably still one of the best values out there. Uh, not only can you use it for you know the Quest games and different apps, but it can also be used uh, on a PC as well uh, for some of your favorite uh, virtual reality PC games. We're going to have to take a break now. There's still so much to talk about on today's program. We just talked about some of the tech and uh, the tech trends that we thought were big in 2022. What about the tech that died over the past year? Happens every year. Uh, Stuff kind of gets shut down. I'll do a spoiler. One of them that died in 2022 is uh, BlackBerry and their mobile devices. Well, we'll tell you about uh, a bunch more that you'd be surprised to hear about. You're listening to Get Connected here on the Chorus Radio Network. Back after this. You are back with Get Connected. Mike Agarbo here with John Beeler, kind of doing a bit of a a year in review in the world of tech. John, we talked about some of the tech trends uh, that inspired us uh, this past year. Let's chat now about some of the tech that died, as tech eventually does. It's got a finite lifespan. It's interesting because some of the stuff I thought was already dead, but that's because we live <laughs> in the future. We'll start off with one of them that I teased uh, just before the break, BlackBerry. Yeah. BlackBerry's still alive and kicking. Uh, they're uh, really big in the uh, uh, the high-end server space, uh, security space, and also uh, QNX, which is their interface for cars. Yeah. A lot of cars that are on the road use that to control the vehicle. Yeah, it's all the it's the software that runs the computers in your car that's not CarPlay or Android Auto. Well, the BlackBerry mobile devices are not going to be supported anymore. Uh, it's an interesting story, which is a whole other show in itself, how BlackBerry rose and fell, but they just could not compete with the iPhone and then the all the Android phones. They even did an Android phone as well, but by then it was too little, too late. It's interesting, though, because there's still some ardent BlackBerry supporters out there, people that really miss or maybe are still holding on to those old phones that they just love. They love the the physical keyboard. They really did. Yeah. Yeah. And BBM, BlackBerry Messaging. Yeah. Yeah. Which is kind of iMessage now, don't you find, on the iPhone? Well, yeah, especially for an Android user. (laughs) Yeah. I, I don't think I could go over to Android because of iMessage. All my family's on iMessage. You're on iMessage. You'd be stuck in a uh, WhatsApp yeah, in a lonely, lonely world. Yeah. Next up is the iPod, John. They're not going to be making any more iPod touches, which was kind of their last incarnation. I mean, iPod touch almost basically an iPhone without the phone part. Yeah. I mean, I like this. This is a good sort of uh, transition device for kids, I think, before they get a phone. You get all the benefits of a phone without being a phone. Yeah, because it's got Wi-Fi. Yeah. You can do messaging and everything, download all the uh, apps. Well... Obviously, most people have gone to a smartphone now yeah. for music yeah, and music subscriptions. Yeah. So I don't think the iPod Touch was really lighting the world on fire anymore. But uh, you have to admit, it changed the music world. Totally. Like completely, not only from a device perspective, but how the whole industry did business or does business. What was your first iPod? 
that's a great question. I I didn't get into iPods at first. I found that a lot of the other MP3 players out there. I had like a Creative Labs one, yeah, uh, Diamond Multimedia one as well that I I just found more capable and cheaper. But eventually, I got an iPod, uh, a photo iPod, right. which was kind of stupid. It had the color screen, and yeah. you could download your photos onto it. Right. To what end? Yeah. So you could look at tiny photos. <laughs> Yeah, now we're doing that. On it our still phones. sits in my drawer, but it doesn't work anymore. Right. I had. I, I bought a Zune as well. That died many years ago. The Microsoft right competitor. I like that a lot. I didn't buy it. I got it for free from Microsoft. Okay, so I got it free too. Yeah, like a review unit. I I loved the device. Yes. It was it was fantastic at the time. It felt more futuristic than the iPod did. Yeah, the the interface on it was amazing. Because it was full color, was it? A, I can't remember. Was it an OLED screen? Probably not back back then. But it had a really interesting screen and and user interface that just looked funner and newer and more modern than the iPod. I also had a lot of iPod Minis for the kids. I had an iPod Shuffle. Remember that one, the little tiny clip-on one? Yeah, like I, I I I got some of those, but I never really used them. I always needed the screen. So the iPod Minis were kind of cool because they tiny little. Yeah. Almost not much bigger than a stamp. <laughs> Well, it's a precursor to the Apple Watch, probably. Oh, totally, right? Yeah. Okay, we're going to be talking about more tech that died in 2022. The iPhone mini. Apple brought out some smaller versions of their iPhone, I think for 12, iPhone 12 and iPhone 13. Uh, A lot of people like this. I know several of my friends that have iPod minis, and they love it because... It's small. It fits easily in their pocket. It's it's like an upgrade from the iPhone 4 or the 6, right? Yes. The people that hung onto those ones for a long time. Yeah. It was like the, a natural transition because some people just don't want a giant device in their pocket or their purse. Well, that's dead. Yeah. As of the iPhone 14, they killed the iPhone mini. So uh, you can buy a larger version of the iPhone. Typically, it was the iPhone 14 Pro yeah. Plus. I know. I, I forget all the, <laughs> uh, but now you can buy a version of the iPhone larger 14 without the pro. Yeah. The 14 plus. Yes. Yes. Well, rest in peace, iPhone mini, uh, moving along. And this is a great article we're referencing from uh, mashable. If you want to check that uh, out. Uh, and most people didn't even know this existed. It was, uh, the meta or Facebook portal. This was kind of their answer to uh, a digital assistant with a screen to compete against like the Google Homes and the Amazon Echoes with the screen. The Echo Show, yeah. Yes. And they really kind of pitched it as something that families would gather around. You'd get one for grandma and grandpa and you'd have one at your home and it had all the video conferencing built in. I think one of them swiveled around. And I think they usually sold them in two packs as well. Yeah. So you give one to to your parents and then the kids would keep one. And this was really poorly timed though, because this is right around the time that people were really starting to distrust Facebook. Cambridge Analytica. Yeah. No one wanted to put something from Facebook with a camera on it in their house. And they still have that issue, John, the whole trust issue, don't you find? Yeah. I mean, I think that was a, a key contributing factor for them renaming themselves to meta, not just the metaverse, which is another end game of theirs, but um, trying to distance themselves from the stench of Facebook scandals. Anyway, they killed this device off. Rest in peace, Portal. Uh, another one, Google Stadia. Again, I don't know if a lot of people have heard of this. This was uh, an online cloud gaming service from Google that died a slow, painful death. 
Well, interestingly enough, it was very hyped. It was very easy to use in the sense that you didn't need a lot of hardware. You just needed basically a, a Google uh, dongle to plug into your TV. And a lot of people had those already for streaming and casting and, and like a Chromecast, that kind of thing. But this was like a little bit more upgraded version that you would then pair your Bluetooth controller to. Yes. And you play your games using a powerful computer in the cloud. And a decent internet connection. Yeah. Unlike a lot of other tech that fails, Google basically refunded everybody that bought anything to do with Google Stadia. So any hardware, any games, they refunded everything. Yeah. and But now the big problem is a lot of people spend a lot of time playing certain games and they want to be able to, to basically move their game saves from Stadia, you know, the, the obsolete desert of gaming and put it into like a game console so they don't have to put 200 hours back into another game. Good luck. Yeah. I think it does work on some games. But did they ever stand a chance going up against like Sony, PlayStation, Xbox, Steam? The potential was there. I mean, I didn't know if they ever was, they were fully in. I remember their PR people reaching out to me and I just don't get this. Like how much was that hardware? Like, it was a controller and the little It was dongle. like $100. Under $100. At most. And they sent, they said they'd send me one, and they did, but they wanted it back in a week. Right. Or two weeks. It was a very short window of time to try it. Like, and for, for journalists, like, why wouldn't you let the journalists keep that so they could keep doing more stories on it? So I just wondered, like, what was up with that? Well, and wasn't that the one where they wanted it, like, overnighted back? Yes. And so they spent more in shipping than the actual device cost. Oh, my God, yeah. Yeah. Like, Why? Yeah. It was so stupid. Yeah. Anyway, Google Stadia, dead. Moving on to tech that died in 2022, Internet Explorer. Done. Remember Microsoft trying desperately to catch up to Netscape back in the day in the 90s? That's just a fad. (laughs) Bill Gates even said that, that he misjudged the internet and how quickly it would evolve and be a very important part in all of our lives. I think the interesting parallel to Internet Explorer and, and Bill Gates sort of misjudging is is what we're seeing in the AI space right now. Yeah. It's happening way faster than people think and expect, and it's crazy. Anyways, next on the list is FTX, the great crypto crumble. 2022 was the great crypto crumble. I lost a lot of money in crypto. I mean, it just seemed like it just couldn't ever go down. Like, it was just everything, Bitcoin, Ethereum. There's literally hundreds, if not thousands of different cryptocurrencies, and they were all just going sky high. You felt like you were missing out. But it crashed in 2022, and one of the big ones is FTX. They were a cryptocurrency exchange. And if you've been following the news on this, the more that they dig in, it's crazy how it was run. They by A bunch of kids. A bunch of kids with billions of dollars to play with. Yeah. They were buying million-dollar homes and small countries. (laughs) It was like a Ponzi scheme, really, when you think about it. It totally was, yeah. Anyway, they're going to be doing a hard time. It looks like it, yes. And I think the last one on the list here, John, for me, is Twitter as we knew it. Yes. It's still around. It's not dead, but what we knew Twitter as is done. It's gone since Elon Musk has come in. It's lost a lot of, well, it lost a lot of whatever sparkle was left. Because to be honest, I was actually kind of disenchanted with Twitter long before Elon bought it. Why? It just became a like a dark place. And it was very difficult to deal with trolls and other p- 
people like that there. So it wasn't as fun as it used to be. We'll see what Twitter has in store for us in 2023. When we come back from the break, we're going to talk to John about his Star Wars escapades down in Disneyland at Galaxy's Edge and the little robot he uh, built that's with us here in the studio. You're listening to Get Connected. Back after this. You are back with Get Connected. Mike Agarbo here with John Beeler. John, you just got back from a nice little well-deserved vacation and you decided to go to the Galaxy's Edge. Yeah, through a crazy set of circumstances, I was in Palm Springs and I stumbled across some free tickets to Disneyland. And I let my- Those are always the best kind of tickets. Because Disneyland is not cheap. No. It is a, it's basically an expensive place to even look at. And um, so we, we just rented a car and we went to Disneyland for the day and I went to Galaxy's Edge and lived out my childhood fantasies of doing all kinds of cool Star Wars things. So if you're into Star Wars, uh, all the Star Wars nerds want to go to this in yeah. Disneyland. It's like a whole area of the park that they've made to look like it, something out of the movies. It's a place they call Batu, which is basically like an outpost, not unlike Tatooine. And there's a couple of rides you can do on there. The Rise of the Resistance, which you get to basically fly around in this crazy shuttlecraft through a crazy ride. Highly recommend it. When you go there, go there and go to it multiple times because it's fantastic. There's also the Smuggler's Run, which lets you pilot or run a gun ship on the Millennium Falcon. And there's the iconic Star Wars spaceship that Han Solo and Chewbacca piloted. You you get to sit in the cockpit. You get to sit in those chairs. How real is it? It's very real. It's that Disney doesn't do anything poorly. They went all in. And apparently even the Rise of the Resistance ride, the first one I mentioned, they spent almost $250 million on it. Oh my God. Like the money that they'd have to make back on that. Yeah. Well, they're making it hand over fist. (laughs) They have, they have two other experiences that are really cool. One is a lightsaber workshop where you can basically go and learn from a Jedi and make your own lightsaber. I chose not to do that because it was a really expensive. And what you're left with is a lightsaber that you can, you know, flail around. (laughs) Yeah. But it's really meant to be like a shelf thing, right? Like a tchotchke you put on your shelf. And I thought, well, $300 is a lot for, for that. 300 bucks? 250 is the starting point. And then you can spend extra money for other things. And I mean, it, it's like, it's a whole experience and definitely everyone said, do that if you can, if you, if you, if that's important to you. It wasn't as important to me as what I actually did, which was going to the droid depot where you get to basically build your own droid. It kind of looks like the inside of, you remember in the original Star Wars, the Ewoks, or the Jawas um, crawler. Yeah. But it had all the- All the spare parts of robots. Yeah, so there's a big conveyor belt of spare parts and you get to pick your parts. You can mix and match color combinations that you want. Weirdly, no green, which is disappointing. Um, But you get to build your own droid. You can build an R2 unit. You can build a um, uh, a BB-8 unit. They have all kinds of different colors. How how big would you say these are? But Uh, a foot tall? Just a little bigger than a foot. Yeah. Yeah. And they're, they're pretty cool. They're Bluetooth controlled. They come with a controller and the, the whole process is you assemble it yourself. So there's like a conveyor belt going around that just has like hundreds of robot parts. Yeah. And so you mix and match. They, they give you a little tray that has the uh, sort of what parts you need to get for a certain robot. And then you go and assemble it. They have like little power tools and stuff like that to put it all together. And then you get to activate it. And there's also an app for it, so you can actually do things with it uh, with an app or with the controller. So you can do all kinds of fun things, like you can program it 
to make sounds. I bought some accessories for it that let me have guns on the side of my R5 unit. So little laser lights and sounds. And you can even get a personality chip to change R2 here to an Imperial droid. And if I just- So from a rebel droid. Yeah. A rebel droid to- A first order. So this is, <laughs> my girlfriend calls this the farty chip because <laughs> it sounds like fart sounds. So how much did you pay for the farty chip? Uh, 15 bucks. So US. Yeah, so it just makes lots of noise. The other interesting thing is this thing will interact with the other droids in the park and also other things in the park. So stormtroopers walk by. If it's a, um, a resistance droid, it'll cower and sort of coo and do the thing that R2 does when he's scared. And if it's a first order droid, it will, you know, be a little bit more uh, excited, excited that the stormtroopers are passing by. Uh, how much How much did this uh, robot adventure cost you, John? I was 120 US for the robot. Oh my God. Yeah. So. And you're happy. I'm very happy with it. Yeah. Yeah. It's fun. So this thing's going to go cruising around your house. Oh yeah. Yeah. Soon to be the studio. And the quality's good? It's very good. Yeah. 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 Okay. We are going to have to take another break here. You are tuned into Get Connected. Back after this. You are back with Get Connected. Mike Agarbo here with John Beeler. Been a fun show, John. 2022 is in our rearview mirror, and I'm looking forward to 2023. Lots of exciting things happening in the uh, the tech world. But let's uh, give a throw to our other sister show. It's called The App Show. It's on every Sunday here on the Chorus Radio Network. Great program all about the world of apps and mobile technology. On tomorrow's Sunday App Show, we're going to talk about Netflix. They have a new ad-supported tier. It's cheaper but are people buying it? You'd be surprised at the answer. We'll also be talking about TikTok and how their parent company actually accessed the data of U.S. journalists. And this is a big issue for the Americans because Tencent, which is TikTok's parent company, is a Chinese company with alleged ties to the communist government over there. And so having the parent company look up U.S. journalists' information is a problem. We'll also be chatting about LastPass. This is a password vault that a lot of people have been using to have higher security for all the different sites and apps that they use, but it's been hacked and the story just doesn't get better. It just keeps getting worse and worse. And so we're going to tell you all about that and what you should do if you do use that. I want to thank all the folks that helped put the show together. Of course, John and uh, Robin back at the studio. We'll see you again next time. <laughs>